Before we start today's show, I wanted to take a minute and just ask you to recommend us to a friend or family member. We are still a growing podcast and every new listener helps. So if you want us to keep delivering music hot takes to you, please recommend us to somebody that you know. Thanks. Let's start the show. Listen in podcast, episode 39. We're still reeling from the Frank Ocean releases. However, Jake, big news. Uh, our mic is no longer broken. Mm. Hopefully this is sounding good. We brought this up in the after show, which you'll hear. But I'm going to bring it up here anyways. I don't blame you. This was this was a miracle. The biggest miracle I've ever witnessed in person. Let me ask you this. Bigger miracle. Water into wine. 40 loaves and fishes. Yep. You got to go Miracle on Ice as C. Miracle on Ice. Miracle the Disney movie. That's four, That's the same miracle, but in two different spots right. on our multiple choice. Right. I'm talking the real life one, and then the miracle Disney movie. The movie, yep. Um, or our mic miraculously fixing itself. Nice use of miraculously, the adverb form of miracle. Mm-hmm. It's the mic, hands down. Head and shoulders. N- no questions. Yeah. I mean, uh, water into wine is great. There's not a lot of like empirical proof. Right. Here's the proof's in the pudding here. You're listening right, right now. And you hear our voices coming I'll, through crisp and clear. I'll give you the breakdown. It goes, number one, mic fixing itself. Uh-huh. Number two, we're I going... I still can't believe it, by the way. We're going Miracle on Ice, real-life version. Yep. Number three, we're going Miracle, the Disney movie. Number four, we're going Water into Wine. because Loaves and Fishes Loaves last. and Fishes bringing up the rear. Because, honestly, who's to say that some merchant didn't just bring in... Uh, another couple baskets of, of loaves and I, fishes. I gotta think people were easier to trick back then. Absolutely. They were dumb. Dude, think yeah, of and like much... significantly shorter. Th- yeah, and like sickly. As they no lived way. to like age 37. Yeah, well, dude, they had like no benefits of modern science at all. Yeah. Uh, so, like, way. if some, if some like messiah figure was gonna give them a free, a free piece of bread, they were gonna hop on it. Yeah, and they would they would say anything you wanted them to. Back then, people would just get their fucking heads cut off by like warlords and like messiah figures and like just kings would decree right. every would like kill every one of this type of person. Yeah, a scary time to live in. I'm happy we're living where we are right now, where we have streaming services that give us exclusive content like Frank Ocean's Endless and Blonde, yeah. which is how would it. How about that for a transition, Jake? Unbelievable. Well, and what it comes down to is, and again, for context, if you didn't listen to the episode um, where this happened, our old mic broke, and it was the lowest of lows for us. It was. We're back, though. We're back. We did. We had a self-pitying, bottom-out spiral of a Mm -hmm. post-show segment. But it seems this mic's working again. We're happy. So that's how the segue, we went from from the mic to loaves and fishes to now back to Frank Ocean, which... um, I have to say, we did our Frank pod last week. I'm glad we're going to talk a little bit more about Frank this week because I always feel when we do our big episode about an album, or in his case, albums, uh, there's never much time to to discuss in sort of a post-mortem, to use a, like kind of a, a buzzword. Yeah, so what ends up happening is, I think this is indicative of just internet hot take culture as well, is that new things come out. There's a lot of buzz about them for a couple days. There's a lot of think pieces that get written. The reviews come out. And then people kind of forget about it and they move on to the next thing because that's just the way the internet works. I think 
it's okay to live with an album for a while, digest it, let it wash over you, live, like, let it be a part of your life, and then have an opinion on it. It's kind of what we mentioned in our breakdown where it's not always fair to give an immediate review of these pieces of art that are a little bit more dense. So after living with this for, it's been two weeks, Yep, just about now. August 20th to now. Yeah, what are your thoughts with this? How are you settling in with this album after the initial shock has passed? So what you were just talking about made me think that of all of the albums that we've dedicated an episode to, and I think that includes The Life of Pablo, that includes Views, that includes A Moonshaped Pool, that includes... Is there another one? Kendrick. Yeah, Untitled Unmastered. Um, this is the album that I have, after that episode, after we made it, I've listened to and been most willing to listen to more after that. Um, I think there's maybe a few different reasons for that. One is I think, no small part of it is we didn't do the track by track thing, Mm -hmm. which I think, I don't know, maybe listeners give us a little feedback. I think that might be fun for listeners. For us, it takes a toll because you end up looking at every song as like, a piece to analyze and you have to have talking points about each one mm-hmm. and it's I enjoy doing that but but with Frank I felt like there's still some more to explore that's the other point these albums like I listened to both today I listened to both yesterday Endless and Blonde and with both they're albums where the focus is less on like we've said individual songs and more on moments more on the flow of the album particularly with Endless but also with Blonde and I just have continued to find little bits and pieces little melodies instrumental flourishes that I love and the the moments that I said I loved last week on Blonde and Endless I only love more now so let me ask you this do you like this album more or less than you did around that initial time we did the breakdown episode which one or both both I like both more me too I, like I do both too more than I do I too I'm gonna give you a quick little rapid fire here Jake okay okay Blonde or Views Blonde. Blonde or Pablo? Blonde. Blonde or Untitled Unmastered? Right now I'm feeling blonde. Blonde or Moonshaped Pool? Again, right now I'm feeling blonde. Me too. And we'll see how it shakes out at the end of the year, but I just have a feeling... Something about Blonde tells me it's going to be one that I'm not going to get tired of. And... The other albums that we did, uh, Views is different for you, but I've had zero interest in revisiting mm-hmm. Views since we did our, not because it's bad, but because I we did, we did the thing where I listened too much. You know what's interesting is Views is the one that I've listened to the most of the track-by-track track breakdown yeah. albums that we've done. Uh, it's, it's, not clo- it's not as close to being as good as Blonde is. Right. Still enjoyable, but Blonde, I think, is better than all of those albums. We just, I just rattled off. To I you. thought you were gonna say combined. And I was <laughs> no, gonna be like, I'm gonna no, not agree with no, you no, there. No, no. I was, I was like, I, I don't, I don't think I agree that Blonde's better than all of them combined. No. Um, but I agree. I've, I've come into a real groove with, especially Blonde, Endless too. Endless is nice to put on, and I think yeah. what's happening with Endless is I am even more than when we did the podcast last week. I'm catching on to the different moments I love, the different yeah. songs. It's, it's funny. It's one of those albums that's difficult at first because there's a lot to immerse yourself in and there's like sort of free drifting melodies and like instruments sort of coming in and out without seemingly a purpose at first it seriously takes so many listens to like have endless at a point where you like you feel like you know what's coming because right. it's not a song by song album. I don't even know if I'm there yet really I'm starting to get I'm there I'm getting there yeah. yeah I'm getting there um 
So with that being said, one of the big developments over the past couple weeks is that we have both spent time with Apple Music because um, we both signed up for a free trial of the streaming service. We are now subscribed to three streaming services each, Tidal, Spotify, and Apple Music. Um, I've spent time in each one of them. Spotify is my main streaming service. I love it. I would recommend it to anyone who is looking for a streaming service to latch on to, I think just from a user experience standpoint. What have your thoughts been about Apple Music so far? I have some strong opinions about it. I don't think my opinions are as strong, and but I do have a take and it's that when it comes to the streaming services, I think I'm less dedicated to actually using them a lot than you seem to be. Um, with Apple Music, other than Frank Ocean, I haven't used it for other stuff. I haven't, because I did the free subscription, I don't feel like I'm too tied into it. But an, an example is like, I eventually paid for Tidal. So like the other night, I was like, ooh, haven't been on Tidal in, in a while. I listened to a Neil Young album or two, because mm-hmm. I just felt like I had to get my money's worth. If I get to the three-month point and I decide that for some reason, whether it, it's that Blonde and Endless are not yet on Spotify or that I don't have a physical copy of them yet, maybe then I'll like pay for an Apple Music subscription and I'll I'll get into it enough where I have a firm opinion. But, but, but where I'm at with it is I use it to listen to those. Ooh, motorcycle. I wonder if that was Shock, Shock, Shock. That's Shock. Dude, we got to get him on the show. Shock has been MIA for a he's, bit now. Well, dude, he kind of dropped off on Twitter, too. I think he... I heard he's having a rough go of it. He's been hitting the bottle pretty hard, he's I back, guess. He's back on the... Oh. Yeah. Okay. Poor poor Shock. It's, it's been rough for him. But what I was going to say was that when it comes to other albums, I just pop back over to Spotify because it's what I feel like I know. I'm more comfortable... But I will agree with you in just a general sense that I don't love the usability. It's kind of confusing as an interface because I sometimes am like, am I in my library? Okay. Am I in in Apple Music? Am I in the store? What the hell am I in? Here, yes, you've hit on the main issue with Apple Music. Apple Music wants so badly to integrate your own music library of physical songs that you already own with their streaming service. I understand why they're doing it too. Their goal is to get you a comprehensive music library experience where if you search for anything, it's going to search your own library and it's going to search their database of streaming service songs so you get everything all at once. The way they execute it is ham-fisted at best because what ends up happening is you're right. You don't know if you're in your own library or if you're in the Apple Music kind of streaming part of it. So you, And isn't the store another entity? It's another of its part own? of it, yeah, which is also confusing. So what I have done, so I have the three month trial as well. I figured, you know what? I'm gonna try and just put this through its paces a little bit while I have it, just to understand what it's like. Maybe I end up loving it and I wanna switch. So we had a party here uh, this past weekend. I made a playlist for it. I ended up making it on Apple Music. One, because I wanted to include songs from Blonde. And then two, just because I wanted to get a feel for how it worked. This was one of the most challenging playlist experiences I've ever had. It was really, really hard to search for things and put them into a playlist because you couldn't easily click and drag the songs into a playlist You couldn't even right-click them sometimes and add them in like you can do on Spotify. You had to basically click into the album that it lived on, and then you could right-click and say, add to this playlist. It was really tedious to do. I ended up kind of giving up and made a shorter playlist than what I would have wanted to or would have ended up doing in Spotify because it was so hard. 
Um, this uh, is a stinging condemnation from the Iron Chef of playlists. I make. Does so... Apple know who they've upset? No, I don't think they, they don't. Know. I'm kind of a kingmaker when it comes to playlist creation and playlists like usability. I am such a playlist guy. I have hundreds of playlists in Spotify. I have them organized in folders. I don't know how you even begin to do that stuff in Apple Music. It's really hard to figure out. Steve Jobs is rolling in his grave right now at the state of Apple Music. Interesting. That's a hot take. Let me ask you this. Given your folders and folders and hundreds of playlists, what would you, out of 10, how upset would you be if you looked on Spotify and somehow they were all gone? Um, Like a nine. Yeah, because it It'd seems be like it seems like because the the reason why it's not a full ten is a small part of me would be excited that I got to make them again wow. and kind of start fresh because I'd be like I'm gonna make them better than before. I would be very very upset. That would be a nine out of ten, Matt. Yeah, so because I know for you, you're very very organized, and it seems yeah. with the uh, the playlists you have a, a firm vision for. I admire it. Let I me ask you this. Yeah, is it slightly annoying how organized and segmented and regimented I am just not even just in playlist life but in real life no it's not annoying it's okay. just like I I Do you think people are sometimes like oh there goes Sean again well probably I don't know I mean like I assume like with anything everybody has quirks and personality things where when they go off on doing their thing you're like all right yeah that's their that's their fucking jam yeah being but I know you're an organized guy yeah. I'm not gonna I don't care about yeah. it I like for me when I'm listening to albums on Spotify, I don't like, I don't feel like I like. Yeah, I noticed you put all your albums you listen to into folders or yep. playlists and listen from there. Yeah, I just listen on Spotify. I don't even right. like really worry about it. Right, because I feel like I'm relatively organized, but just like less, less so. Yeah, it's to a yeah. lesser degree. Makes sense. Speaking of organization, this is what you call a segue. Okay, we're gonna do a little housekeeping. Okay, with a mailbag question. That was tenuous at best. Yeah, it was a five and a half out of ten. Yeah. But organize, housekeeping, mail, sifting through the letters. Yes, all right, I'll give it to you. Okay. Josh Gregoire, big friend of the pod. Big friend of the pod. He asks, and I don't have the exact wording, but he asks for our ranking of all the live shows um, that we've seen this year. And so, just as a general note, uh, write us on, on Twitter. Send us mailbag questions. We like doing these. So, Sean... Uh, well, should we read the list of shows? Yeah, let's read to? the list of shows. Quick disclaimer, we are not including the performances we saw at Newport. Um, this list would shake out differently, I think, namely because Father John Misty did maybe what my favorite performance I've seen this year was. We decided to exclude Newport because there were so many shows. They kind of are lumped all under the same umbrella. and um, It's a different experience at yeah. a festival than it it's is not just a same. normal show. So, we, yeah, we're going to exclude Newport Folk Fest. And we have a whole podcast two podcasts about Newport Folk recap and Father John recap that you can listen to. I think those were like four or five episodes ago. Yep. So you can check those out if you want to hear more yep. about that. So the list of shows that we have had in 2016 so far are Animal Collective, Hop Along, Sorority Noise, Modern Baseball, Joyce Manor, Pine Grove, The World's a Beautiful Place, and I'm No Longer Afraid to Die, Into It Over It, Father John Misty, Julian Baker, Hotel Year, Frightened Rabbit, Beach Slang, and Best Coast. So some of these I attended and Jake did not. A couple of them. Um, so Jake, if you were to give your top five favorite shows you've gone to so far this year, what would they be? Okay, I'm going to go from the bottom up. Okay. How's that sound? Number five. 
Um, so number five, I cheated because I saw that you cheated as well. Number five is two, uh, the hotel year at the Sinclair um, and Hopalong at the 3S Art Space in Portsmouth. Uh, both were really fun shows. Hopalong was more okay. Hopalong was a fun show. Hotel year was what you'd expect from the hotel year. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a good show. It was an intense show. It's what I wanted from them. They did a good job. We did an episode about that where we drove to the show and drove back. A little pre and post game mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, analysis. That was fun. Number four. Uh, Pine Grove, we saw them twice actually. We saw them once in I want to say was it February? It was really cold. It was like had to, it was like the coldest yeah, I day think of the it was year. February and it was I remember being just like frigid. And that was at uh, University of New Hampshire, UNH, my alma mater. No big deal, kind of a big deal. The other time we saw them was in Boston, uh, Middle East upstairs. So the one that comes in at fourth for me is Pine Grove at UNH. This was a more fun time. This was on a Friday night, I think, or Thursday night. It was a Friday, I think. It was a Friday night. And so we had a few drinks beforehand at the bar. I got to relive, like, walking through the old haunts at UNH. Uh, Different mood altogether. Going to Boston, more of a hassle of a drive, even though I didn't drive. I think you did. And it was a hassle, right? Or it was a Sunday. Yeah. But that brings me to the problem, which it was a Sunday. And Sunday shows kind of for the birds. They do. Not They're as not fun. as good. There's a whole vibe about them that's just not the same. Especially if you get the Sunday scaries, as I've been known yeah, to get. The old yeah. Sunday night anxiety. That's true. Uh, number three, also at UNH, uh, Sorority Noise. Big this, friend of the pod, Cam. Big friend of the pod only, except uh, Bruno Boyne and Sorority Noise are our only musical guests we've had that's on. That's right. Um, and yeah, so this one obviously is a little bit of a sentimental favorite. I also would recommend to anyone seeing Sorority Noise live, and I, I hope to go see them in November when they I come hope, around to Boston. I, I hope I'm not uh, stuck in Philly. Stuck in Philly at a work thing. Yeah, yeah. I hope you can come to that too. But but seeing Sorority Noise live, they they pack just a shit ton of energy into yeah, their shows. And obviously, Cam's a, Cam's a friend, great guy. So it's always good to see him and, and catch up. Yeah. Um, number two. Modern Baseball and Joyce Manor on a on a joint bill. Uh, we saw them at the House of Blues in Boston. Um, I'll leave a little bit out because Sean, I think, spoiler alert, might have that on his list. Number one, Father John Misty, House of Blues in Boston as well. Um, this was the performance you might remember us talking about where Father John was doing not the side that we saw at Newport where he was going on rants. Well, sorry to use rant. I know it's a pejorative, yep. and you don't appreciate it. I don't. I feel he doesn't either. But it's just I, I don't even use rant as like the internet word. It's just like the word that comes to my mind. He was he was talking at length mm-hmm. about thank you about uh, that was a microaggression, Jake. I'm sorry about commercialism and how and like selling folk music to sell burritos and stuff. This was showman Father John, full um, blown rock star. And maybe you can speak to it a little bit too. I will, I will. Yeah, it, it's also on my list. It's it coming in at number two for me, mm-hmm. and just the way the the showmanship really was was what made this show for me. He was in full on rock star mode. He was on his knees, singing his heart out, kind of interacting with the crowd. Um, really, really, really good, and the songs were on point. Just. The whole energy and vibe about that show was unlike anything else I've seen. He reminded me of like a modern Jim Morrison meets, I don't know, like someone who's even more showy. Although from Jim Morrison, I guess, I, I haven't seen much of like The Doors live or anything. Right. Uh, not literally, because right. obviously he was dead decades before right. my birth. But I mean, I've never watched, I've never sat down and done a deep dive of like watching live YouTube videos of... Of Jim Morrison, but he has the beard thing going. He had, he was dressed up, 
and he was like swinging his mic yep. and, and really getting into it. So that was an awesome show. That's what I'm going to put at number one. So nice. quick recap, Hotel Your Hop Along at five, Pine Grove at UNH at four, Sorority Noise at UNH at three. Number two, I had Modern Baseball, Joyce Manor. Number one, I had Father John Misty uh, in Boston. Sean? All right, so I'm cheating as well. My number five, I'm doing kind of a joint thing like you did. We both have Hop Along at number five. Yep. Great show. I'm putting in Sorority Noise at number five as well. They're kind of sharing that. Couple Philly bands there. That's right. Um, number four, Beach Slang. I saw them at the Sinclair. Um, Beach Slang is one of these bands who they're like made to play rock music live and to just get you excited about the songs that they're playing. So I, I really like Beach Slang. When they put on a live show, everyone's kind of singing along. It's There's like nothing else like it. Um, really, really fun show. If you ever get the chance to see them, they come through your city. They probably will be. They have a new record coming out soon. I would highly suggest you go see them. Do you know when that comes out, by it the way? It comes out next week, I think. We're getting into just the prime... Dude, September is going to be a huge month. For album releases and just weather. Yeah. We will be doing podcasts in, in cool, just like dry air. Yes. Which can't I can't wait, wait. for. Can't Love the wait. fall. Coming. Big shout to the fall. Big friend of the pod. Big friend of the pod. Actually, it's the only season we've yet to do any podcast. That's true. Because we st- uh, technically we started in mid-December, which is, I think, still technically fall. Yeah, but that's the winter. Yep, so. Right, that's bullshit. Number three, it was the Modern Baseball and Joyce Manor joint bill. Um, we were so into both these bands at that time. It was just so much fun to go see them. Number two, like I said, Father John Misty at House of Blues as well. My number one here, this might be a little bit surprising for people. Uh, well, it depends what the, if they know your taste or not. Frightened Rabbit at House of Blues in Boston. I saw them in May. Um, so this has taken on some significant emotional meaning for me for a lot of reasons uh, that have developed over this past week. So it, it, it was the signifier of something that I didn't realize until very recently. Um, so... Frightened Rabbit came in at number one. Not only was the show itself great, and they put on an awesome show, just the context in which I went in heightened that experience even more. And that's kind of what I wanted to get into with this, is that um, there are things about each one of these shows that I enjoyed that weren't necessarily specific to the show itself. I think a favorite concert experience is a lot about who you go with and how much fun you have surrounding the concert as much as it is did the people you're seeing put on a good show. I totally agree. And that, I mean, a great example of that is the fact that Pine Grove at UNH came in higher than Pine Grove in Boston. I mean, you could make the argument they played just as good a show. They may have even been a little more... They were playing that, like, game in Boston where they were trying to say no words that were more than one syllable, which was crazy and kind of... It was really funny... But something about being at UNH on a Friday night with Sean and I think Mitch, yep. couple friends, couple beers, <laughs> a couple laughs, <laughs> couple laughs. Um, something about it, the atmosphere is what it was all about, and it's the same thing with like modern baseball, Joyce Manor. Something about we went with a big group of people. Big group. We were all so excited to see them. All modern baseball and Joyce Manor acolytes. That's right. Um, and so it was exciting, and and uh, so yeah, I agree. It is. It's the context you go to a show in yep. that matters just as much. As the actual quality Agreed. of the performance. Agreed. Do you want to give a shout to some upcoming concerts we're going yeah, to? Yeah, we so 
again, just like we said, the fall is becoming um, packed with not only new album releases, but some great shows that we're going to soon. We are going to Car Seat Headrest in a couple weeks. September 17th? Uh, is that at the Sinclair? Yes, it is. That's going to be awesome. Yes, it is. I like the Sinclair a I lot. Do too. I think the first time I had been was that Hotelier show. Really? Yeah, mine was Beach Slang. So, okay. If you're um, ever in Boston. Yeah, so speaking of Hotelier and Joyce Manor, they are coming back around to Boston on a joint bill together. This is like an emo wet dream. It is. Um, they're also going to be at the Sinclair. I bought my ticket. I think we all did. We're, I have mine too. We're going to that one. And then, like Jake mentioned, Sorority Noise is coming through. They're going to be in the cut. They are playing with Jank. Which makes me happy. At the Middle East downstairs. Because as Sean has, has said before, I, I love me some Jank. Yeah. I yeah. get I get I'm actually really pumped for that. Yeah. Actually sorority noise is kind of the reason I know about Jank. Because I think Cam posted to Facebook something about their pitchfork review when it came out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um yeah, Jank is awesome. Sorority Noise is awesome. That's gonna be a good show. November second at the what, Middle East up Middle East. Downstairs, downstairs. Downstairs. So I would love to hear what everyone's favorite shows that they've gone to this year are. Mm. What was the best performance you saw? Um, I'd say tweet at us, but we don't know if our handle, what it's going to be if it We're going to change it. We it's just don't know what be, it is yet. We don't. It's probably going to be listening podcast or something like that. Yeah. What? We have a branding crisis on our hands is the essence we of do. it. We do. Level 4 Media, the blog has fallen into disuse. Yeah. We, in retrospect, bit off more than we could chew. Yeah. But the podcast is where it's at. It goes on. It's what we're the, what I've been the most excited about from the start. Yeah, uh, for and sure. I think it's what we've had the most fun with. I would agree. And so I, I think agree. it makes sense to rebrand, just sort of I do agree. a complete, you know, sort of everything is one thing. I agree. With a listen-in podcast. It'll be a lot easier. And now Level 4 Media is like this, it's like when a band had an old name. It's like name. it's like Viet Cong changing to preoccupation. It's like when, when Radiohead was on a Tuesday. Or when the Beatles were Long John and the Silver Beatles. I didn't know that Radiohead's name used to be that. Maybe it was on a Friday. I'm going to look it up. Filibuster. Interesting. Um, yeah, but let us know what you On you're... a Friday. Okay. I was wrong. Okay. Yep. You just got a quick little taste of what I do on client phone calls when I need to filibuster and think of the I next... didn't know what it sounded like because I was preoccupied Googling. And when I need to think of the next thing I'm going to say, I throw in a lot of, yeah, but... What I was saying was, certainly we can, and it's just lots of little filler stuff. Yeah, um, you got to fill the space. You do, and it works out. It works out. So, and you got there's the always the move where you collect your thoughts where you're like, so, um, yeah. So for this, we we're thinking, you know what I mean? Like yeah, you, it, you buy, you just bought yourself like 15 seconds. You elongate with that. words, and you kind of you regroup. And sometimes it makes sense and feels more comfortable to put pauses in. Than other times, like if you yep. if you change your tone a little bit as you're going into a pause, it's completely natural. Or if you're just talking like that and put a pause in like that, it's yeah. super awkward. Like even Jake looked up, he's like, "Dude, what's wrong?" I was with like, you? "When are you gonna talk?" Yes, again? yeah, yeah. I, what's wrong with you? I, I felt like Sean just broke right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't do that. Yeah. You can't do it. It scares people. That was good filibustering. I gave. I didn't. You didn't have to buy me much time. No, you, no. The because you know why? I'm on my Mac, which is your fast. laptop. Fucking works. Yeah, mine doesn't. Your laptop was struggling. I did the full. I like I said, this Odyssey is continued. I did a full factory reset. I thought we were back to. A decent place. Tried to do some stuff on it today. It's trash. It's awful. I'm gonna what what I'm gonna do when I eventually get a new one is I'm just gonna 
like break it over a rock yes. or something. Do we got to do this ceremonial? We will. Backyard. We'll take a video and we'll tweet this out. We will, and then we'll like light it on fire or something. Because fuck that laptop. That'd be amazing. Yeah, we we'll absolutely do should we'll do, do that. that. Um, Sean, you should introduce the next segment. You came up with it. Okay, this was a fun question that I thought of. Um, Jake and I have talked a lot about the best decades in music and why that is, but let's get away from the rigid structure of a decade and let's just talk about what is the best 10-year stretch of music. Right. If you could only listen to one 10-year stretch for the rest of your life, what would that 10-year stretch be? So and rather than saying... No, like the '60s were the best, or the '70s were the best. What you can do is you can you can bleed into other other decades. So you could say, "Oh, I want 1967 to 1977," or you can say, "I want 1999 to 2009," or whatever it might be. So we're dreaming big here. We're getting yep. away from the confines of That's the right. usual decades. That's another big like work buzzword thing. Like if you're trying to innovate. Yeah. You're trying to like push things in a new direction. It's like this is we're just in the dream space right Outside now. Outside the box. We're just right now we're just these are just these are just we're using our imagination. And then later we'll cut it down at the knees when we find out the ten reasons it can't work. <laughs> and why like we don't have the budget to do this. The budget or like any of the, the time, the resources, right. anything. So uh, give the listeners the first two you wrote down here. Okay, so off the top of my head, I was thinking that two thousand four to two thousand fourteen that is right in the wheelhouse of some of my favorite albums of all time. So when I look at the 2004 era, I'm getting things like American Idiot. I'm getting Hot Fuss by The Killers. I'm getting... What was the other big one we said the other day? Uh, Arcade Fire. Arcade Fire Funeral. Yep. And then as you kind of go on through the rest of the decade, you're still getting um, Neon Bible by Arcade Fire. You're getting some good Radiohead albums in there. You're getting in Rainbows. Um, as 2009 comes along, you're getting Meriwether Post Pavilion. Then 2010, which is a huge year, you're getting Twisted Fantasy by Kanye, Suburbs by Arcade Fire, Wild Hunt, Fleet Fox's albums are in there. What ends up happening in 2004 to 2014 is you are hitting on albums that I grew up with that were formative year albums for me that, I, that really emotionally resonate and mean a lot to me. Um, and also, around that 2011 to 2014 stretch, I discovered so much new music in those years, so I'd have a lot to draw on during that time. For me, 2004 to 2014 might be the ideal answer. My favorite thing about this kind of question is, um, they say football is a game of inches. Yep. It's like this is a game of, you got to figure out exactly where to calibrate it, how many inches to go one way or the yeah. other. Because you back it up to 2003, you might gain some great albums from 2003. I'm trying to think of an example. Elephant by the White Stripes, I think, yeah, was an 03 album, right. which you don't have if you started 04. But you might lose some of those 2014 albums. For me, like Run the Jewels would not yeah. no longer be in yep. the, you know. And so, if you're going 2000s, it's interesting if you go back to the year 2000, then you get Kid A, then you get the two formative Strokes records. Um, you get some more White Stripes action in there. Uh, so I, it's interesting to think, no matter where you do it, if it's if you are limited to ten years, no matter where you tick it in, you're cutting something out that that it could be an, an album that you love. Yeah. And so I think if you say you move it back, say you move it to two thousand, there you, you get like I said, you get Kid A, you get Is This It, um, and and your but you're losing 
a lot of the albums that we've loved over the past couple years, you're maintaining the first Fleet Foxes record. Yep. You're maintaining some MGMT if that matters. I, I like you know the first album a lot. Yeah. Um, you're maintaining all that mid 2000s stuff. I'll tell you what you're losing from so much from 2011 and 12 ish. You're losing the second Bonnie Bear record. Yep. You're losing the second Fleet Foxes record. You're losing King of Limbs. You're losing um, some Arctic Monkeys. You're losing in 2012. These are big ones. You're losing Kendrick Lamar, Good Kid, Mad City. You're losing Dive Ocean. You're losing Channel Orange. Yep. And that's why, again, it's like every year you gain another way, you lose the other way, you know, around. And so it depends who you ask this. I'm inclined to agree with you and push it to 2004 and then have it go to 14 to keep those records because... We're in our early to mid-20s now, and those albums were really important when we were late in our teens, early in our 20s. If you were a little older, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who wouldn't want to push it back a little bit. Yep. Maybe to 99 or 2000. Because, you know, even for me, it's hard to lose some of those albums. Like, is this it? You know, Kid A's of the world. Those albums are tough to lose. I think, more realistically, though, it, there's a higher concentrations of album albums I love if you move it just a little bit more towards 2004. Yeah, you know, the more we talk about this, I'm thinking 2014, my biggest L's in that year would be Benji, Sun Kill Moon. Wasn't Uh, that last year? 2014. Oh, it was? Yeah. Uh, Future Islands, singles. Uh, Other than that, I mean, I wouldn't be heartbroken about losing a lot of 2014 albums. I might go 2003 to 2013, because 2003, you'd get, like, Elephant, you'd get some of those definitive early 2000s indie rock records thrown in there more. I think I might go 2003-2013. Or, you know what, no, 2004 is too strong of a year. I can't... I was going to say... I can't, I can't lose it. I was going to say, because 2015 was so strong, I can't lose 04, though. Here's the thing, though. As Stephen Hyden and Ian Cohen have said, they felt 2005 was the strongest year for indie rock. I know. You had Wolf Parade. Um, Alligator, which, The National. Right. You, you, you keep... All the most essential national music, if you move it to 05, you also add all the great albums we got last year. Here's the thing. When we're this close, if we're dealing with moving it to 05, 06, the, the latter end of that is too close. We can't see the forest for the trees. We couldn't. We can't do 2000. Like, for example, it would be irresponsible to start at 2006, even yeah. though I would hate to lose this year. I know. Because this year's been amazing. But it is interesting. I think another argument, so like we're right now arguing like a couple years here and there along the middle of the 2000s. I think you could make a firm argument where if you want most of the 2000s, cut it at 2001. Yeah. Because you can cut most of 2000. I'm going to look it up. You can. You're losing Kid A. You're not losing much else, I don't think. Let's see. But because if you did 2001 and you got it, you, so you went 2001 to 2011, you'd still be getting all the strong stuff that I reeled off for 2010. So you'd still be getting the twisted fantasy of the, of the world. Dude, you know what else came out in 2010 that I didn't mention? Teen Dream, Beach House. Yeah, High really Violet by The National. Contra by Vampire Weekend. Halcyon Digest by Deer Hunter. Crazy for You by Best Coast. Age of Ads, Sufjan Steven. Like, yeah, I could go on and on here. Like, 2010 was an amazing year to kick off that decade. Yeah, and either way you go, it seems like we're going to keep that, no matter Mm -hmm. how you did it. So let's move back a little ways. So here's the thing. As I was thinking about this, I was like, what are the decades you'd have to do? And I think for us, obviously, you've got to pick some 10-year span in the last decade and a half. We have to for us. You'd have have to. to. Say we have two of them. 
I thought a lot about the 80s. I thought a lot about the 90s. I really think it has to be 60s, 70s. Somewhere in that range. It does. So the problem with the 80s and 90s for us personally is we don't know it well enough. We don't have that emotional connection. We know some of it. We do. We don't have an emotional connection to those eras like we do with some of the other ones. Now, the devil's advocate here is if you're picking one stretch of years, now you have a ton of stuff that you're forced to go back and explore and get to know. And true. you find some new favorites. That's true. But that's not what I'm looking for here. I'm looking for music I love and I know that I can just listen to forever. And there's still going to be things that I can go back and discover because you can never listen to everything. So I think that if we go back to the 60s, 70s, um, this is, to me, this is like the hotbed for some of my very favorite albums yeah. ever. Um, and so it's it to me it's similar to the to two thousands where any year I'm losing just lose, swaths I know, of albums I, I love. So t- tell what's the one you so wrote here? what I came up with off the top of my head I was thinking that nineteen sixty seven to nineteen seventy seven would be a great stretch because you're still getting that late sixties pop. You're getting Beatles albums in there, so you'd be getting Sgt. Pepper. Pepper in 67. Magical Mystery Tour. Mystery Tour. You'd be getting the White Album. You'd get Abbey Road. You'd get Levitt B. So you're getting late career Beatles. What you're missing in 66, though, is you're missing Revolver. And Pet Sounds. And Pet Sounds. And And Blonde on Blonde. Exactly. So you're missing out on all those Dylan albums that had come a year or two before. You're missing out on prime, mid-career Beatles but on the other end, what you're getting towards late 70s is stuff like The Clash's first album. You're getting Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. You're getting a lot of strong stuff. In 77. In 77 that you wouldn't get otherwise. So it's it starts to be a tough question of what year am I shaving off? So this is the way I, I began to think about it. I thought about how 67 is a good pick because you do have a lot of those, like it's the summer of love and like there were a ton of emblematic um, psychedelic rock and like like where, that's really where rock seemed to turn the page fully in 67 mm-hmm. So, but the way I thought about it is this it depends how much of the 70s you're willing to lose Yeah. so one school of thought that I thought of is go to 69 because if you start in 69 you're still getting tail end Beatles getting um, the middle of that that amazing stone stretch. I think you lose mm. Beggar's Banquet in 68. Which I'll, I'll yield Beggar's. But you keep Let It Bleed, you keep Sticky Fingers, you keep Exile on uh, Main Street. Need Exile. And going all the way to 79 gives you albums like London Calling, Oof. Unknown Pleasures by Joy Division, which I still need to get into, The Wall by Pink Floyd, which I still need to get into, Tusk by Fleetwood Mac, Damn the Torpedoes by Tom Petty. Marky Moon. Was that 79? That's 79. Or was that 77? Or, uh, 77, you're right. 77. Yeah, so I don't either yeah, way. Sorry. But you, either way, you keep it. Lodger by Bowie, less of a big deal. Um, In Through the Outdoor by Zeppelin. I think you could, <laughs> you could, essential. You could spare that one. Uh-huh. Um, Aerosmith, Night in the Ruts. But here's the thing. Uh, if you then, say you go the other way. Say you take it back to 65. Um, because And the reason you do that is you're like, I don't want to lose the cream of the crop Beatles still in Beach Boys. Right. Because you don't want to lose your Highway 61 Revisited, which is 65. Yep. You don't want to lose Rubber Soul or Help. Yep. You don't want to lose Revolver, Pet Sounds, or Blonde on Blonde. Yep. Then you shave off that whole back half of the 70s, but you still keep all prime Led Zeppelin. Yeah, so I think one of the questions you have to start asking yourself here is, what 
artists and albums mean the most to me and in what era. So if you're picking 69 to 79 and you're a, a huge Zeppelin guy, you're getting every Zeppelin album in there. Yep. And you know what else you're getting too in that stretch is you're getting some strong Bruce Springsteen records too. You're getting Born to Run. You're getting Darkness on the Edge of Town. Like you're getting some some good stuff there because if you bring it back to you know 65 you're still getting born to run in there but you're you're going to miss out on darkness you're going to miss out on those what years born to run uh 75 i think or is that 73 let's check that yeah let's let's do a, let's do a quick check um but like i was saying you need to figure out 75 75 uh, your birthday came out dude august 25th yeah. that's right it's on your wall that's right your um, poster so you need to figure out who your favorite artists are and what of their strongest albums came out in what years. I think that's how you need to structure it for those for those uh, classic years. You definitely do. The so two things. One, the Zeppelin argument is Physical Graffiti came out seventy five, yeah. right? Because yeah. Presence was seventy six. Yep. So you could theoretically push it to sixty five and still get all Prime Led Zeppelin yep. with, and lose their the the like the last three. Right. Which some people would argue but are inessential. Seventy seven was so strong. Like I, I, I know. I, I think of I, I rumors keeps standing out to me as just a a statement of late seventies rock. And the second thing I was going to get to was that I would really struggle with this because obviously my favorite band of all time is the Beatles, which is the most boring take you can ever have. They just are. But I've listened to their records so many times. Do I really want to lose 77 through 79, which I feel like was such a pivotal turning point in music? And so the, the a solid argument could be made for... Like, if someone's offering me this deal, maybe they go, hey, Jake, keep 69 and 70. You at least have Abbey Road, mm-hmm. which is their send-off. Mm-hmm. Amazing album. You could live off the songs on there you with could. the Beatles. Let it be. Not their best, but still plenty of good still stuff. Still get a taste. You still get all the best stones, and you can still you have time to experience all of the best Bowie. So all of Bowie. the best, light, like, some of that Roxy music stuff. Yep. You um, know, you know, shit like that. You, you can just, explore a little bit more, and you can live like the seventies because the seventies. Um, I don't think I, as a kid, appreciated what was actually best about the seventies. I listened. To, I didn't get it. Like the bands I thought were big in the seventies were just the bands that were on classic rock right, radio, right? Like Bad Company, Foreigner, yep. yep, Boston. And dude, you're still. If someone gives you that sixty nine, you're still getting. Just peak Neil Young too. Oh yeah, you get oh you're getting all the best Neil Young. Any year you shave in the from 1965 till 1979, you're losing like scores of so just much. seminal rock records. So much. Um, it would hurt to lose bringing it all back home yeah. and blonde on blonde. But what you will get if you keep that 70s is you're gonna get Desire and you're gonna get Blood on the Tracks. You're still gonna get some great Dylan records in there. Which could kind of make up for it. So, really, what you kind of have to do is sacrifice some of the best albums by those classic 60s artists. Understand you're still going to get some of really good albums by them, but then you're gaining all the strengths of the 70s. You know what you'd still get for the Beach Boys? You still get Surf's Up. That's right. Yeah, you, which is really cool. That whole album is really cool. Would you technically get Smile? 
Although that, because when was that released? Because it like kind of was being recorded in the mid to late 60s, but then I think they put it out later. Yeah. I don't know if you, you get Good smart. Vibrations in the mix there? Good Vibrations came out in 67. So yeah, if you, okay, if you okay. go the 70, uh, 67 to 77 route, you do get Good okay. Vibrations. Interesting. You know what we didn't even explore, and this is minutia, but another thing to think about if you really were going to break this down, and I feel like I'd want to bust out a spreadsheet and do yeah. like a cost-benefit analysis. <laughs> yeah. Just like how much am I losing? What am I gaining? What's my maximal amount of musical enjoyment? You have to look at what you'd lose and gain from going 66 to 76 or 68 to 78, yeah. which we didn't do. Right. But I feel like I'm looking at the 70s and thinking I don't want to lose either 77 or 79 if I'm going that far. Basically what you'd have to do is you would have to do a list of all the albums for each one of these years and say, here are my deal breakers for each one of these years that I absolutely don't want to lose. And then whichever year has the least amount of those deal breakers, that's where you, you put your marker at and say, okay, I'm willing to lose this year, but not this one. It's really funny. I'm looking right now at 1978. And you have Darkness on the Edge of Town. You have Some Girls. Yep. Dude, overall, a little bit of a 2014 vibe. Like... You have This Year's Model by Costello, which I, I know you're not I'm a not big fan in of. On that. I ended up kind of liking it. You have Outlandos D'Amour by The Police. And Okay, and this is where this gets interesting. Because, that first Devo record a lot of people love. Continue. Because if you say, all right, I'm going to cut it at 77 so I don't have to deal with 78, which might be a little bit weaker, then you say, you know what, though? Is 79 so strong that it's worth carrying the weakness of 78 just to have it? Well, I mean, I was just reading those albums like London Calling, you lose. You lose... Uh, Did Remain in Light by Talking Heads come out that year or was that 80? That I think was 80. Okay. I'll check. Um, I think, I want to say Remain in Light was 1980. Yeah, October 8th, 1980. Oh, okay. But you're not getting that with any of these. No. Would you ever go 70 to 80 or is that too much No, because 69 was such a... You yeah. can't... No, you, you got to keep 69 in there. You got to have a taste of the 60s. Let me ask you this, Jake. Of the 80s to 90s stretch, which one... How are you kind of breaking that down? <laughs> is it cheating to go like 89 to 99? Uh, no, no, you can absolutely you could do, do that. that. I feel like there were a lot of good precursor indie albums, like in '89, heading towards. Didn't that? I listened for the first time to the Stone Roses first album. Yeah, didn't that come out in '89? How I don't know. It was good. It, it was, was like good. super acclaimed. I never realized until I was at Bull Moose uh, in Portsmouth. I was flipping through the racks. And I picked up the vinyl for it because it looked cool. And down the sleeve, they had all these accolades, like ten out of ten, one of the best albums, yeah. like ever. I never realized, really, I guess, who the Stone Roses were. Have you ever listened to them at all? No, I, I haven't. hadn't. I hadn't, I hadn't either. So, if I'm going to be picking, um, can I guess? Yeah, you pick. Yeah, what do you think it's going to be? I'm going to guess you don't want to lose. Let it be by the replacements. So you're going to go 84 to 94. That's exactly what I was going to pick. I was going to pick 84 to 94. Because you don't lose. Nevermind. Because that's right. You get Nevermind in there. You get In Utero still in there. That's 94. right. Yep. You get Let It Be by the the the, the mats in there. You, get you like still all the get prime you get Tim replacements. You get Please to Meet Me replacements. You get The Queen Is Dead by the Smiths. Oh my you god. You get Meet His Murder cool. still. You know, pretty good. You're getting... Was Queen is Dead 86? Yes. Okay. Yes. Might have to go 86 to 96, but then I'm just losing OK Computer. That, yeah. In 97. So it's like maybe... Yeah, so that that's the thing. You, you got start, a big bargain in steel yeah, with these. Yeah, that's right. And then you're still getting some good U2 records in there. Yeah. Um, 
you're getting appetite for destruction, Jake. Got a rock hard. You know what you're still getting? You're getting uh, blow up your video by ACDC. Oh, hell yeah. You're getting fly on the wall and... um, The Razor's Edge? The Razor's Edge. When did that come out? 90. Was it 90 or 91? Either one, you're getting it. Nevermind was 91, right? Yes. And it like kind of blew up into 92. You know what you're still getting in that 94 range too is you're getting um you're getting some good Pearl Jam too. Yep, that's true. So, and here's the thing, and this is an interesting uh so like you mentioned Nirvana and I was this is basically what I was thinking about with with the Beatles was is it worth moving that more towards the 80s because with Nirvana, it's like, maybe you do 81 to 91. And I think the argument you could make if someone was, again, trying to sell this to us, their their car salesman pitch to us would be, listen, you at least get Nevermind. How much Nirvana do you even listen to anymore? And they, and, and you'd be like, okay. Yeah. And it's true. You keep Nevermind. You keep their it's, best record. And they're like, think about all the albums that you've not explored yet in most of the 80s. It's the, it's the decade that is your biggest gap. And there are albums that you haven't realized how good they're going to yeah, be. Yeah, that's true. I'm going to take your car salesman thing a little bit further. This is like a car salesman trying to sell you a car in the winter and being like, how much do you really even use air conditioning? It's and true. you're like, you know what? Yeah, I don't really use it. Sell me this car with no AC. Because you're freezing. And then the summer rolls around, yep. and you're like, fuck, I wish I had air conditioning. I'm living that life. That's what you're saying. You're like, I wish I had never mind. Well, you keep Nevermind. If you go 81 to 91, you maintain Nevermind. Oh, you're you saying lose in, utero. in utero. Okay. So you lose yeah. in utero. That's the same thing. Is That's what would happen to me is the Beatles are air conditioning. Right. So I'd be like, I, yeah. I, if I did 70 to 80, I'd be like, all right, I give Let It Be. Say I did 71 to 81. Yeah. I cut out all Beatles. Yep. And I, I'd be like, you know what? I listened enough where I'm good. Right. I would be withdrawing in like a, a month. Right. I'd be like, I need to hear it's, something. You don't know what you got till it's gone. You don't. Pave paradise. Put up a parking lot. Put up a parking lot. So I, Mitchell. I think my main stretches here, I have to pick 2003 to 2013. That's what I'm so settling you, you on swap here. That. I'm swapping that. I'm I'm. Taking an L on 2014. You're yeah. adding Elephant. That's I'm a big adding, ad. I'm adding some big 20, 2003 albums that I'm not even thinking of right now. Right. Um, I just know for a fact 2003 is a stronger year than 2014 was. 2003 or 2013? Oh, I guess you have it anyway. I either have way. 13. Yeah, either way. My second pick is 60... I'm going 69 to 79. I like your argument about getting those last few Beatles records, last two... And then gaining London Calling and gaining the kind of those transcendent records of 1979 that kind of the pivotal punk and no- paved the way for music in the next few decades. And then my dark horse here is 84 to 94, as it as it gets things that it gets albums that I love in there, and it lets me explore eras that I hadn't previously. Okay, so for the 2000s. See, I feel like I don't want to go chalk. I don't want to just say the same ones you said, but yeah. I'm compelled to say yeah. those. So I guess for the sake of argument, I'll throw in for the listener's consideration 65 to 75. Like I said, you get all prime B. So this is one where I'm trying to sell it to you. Yeah. Because it's like, listen, I don't need this. Yeah. I'd want it off my hands. No, right. Like 60, right, right, right. 60, I'm taking a loss Yeah, here. I'm taking yeah. a loss here. 65 to yeah. 75, you can't really lose. No. Because you're getting all the prime Zeppelin. All Prime Beatles, the best Beach Boys, the best Dylans, the best Stones. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. 
and, and sprinkling Hendrix, the Who, yeah, like all that stuff. Doors, you're still you getting get all, all of the good Who. Stuff. You yeah. get all you like Quadrophenia was six seventy five, right? Yeah. So I think you're I think getting. So. I could have been seventy seven. Check on that. I think it's seventy five. Oh, you're still getting the best of the Who. You're losing on some of Bowie. Um, you just missed low. Seventy three was Quadrophenia. Really? Holy shit! Okay, yeah. so you're getting all the Who. That I think is. We're overlooking it because we know it so well, yeah. but I think that pound for pound, yeah. a fun buzzword to throw around, a yeah. buzz phrase, yeah. 65-75 is, is really good. Yeah. I think for the 80s, 90s, I'm going to go, I sold myself on going 81 to 90. I like, that's my second pick. If Yeah, I, I like And the I like reason that. I sold it is that I lose out on with Radiohead. It's almost like I'd rather lose it all than, than have some and not the other. Yeah, yeah. So at least I lose all Radiohead yeah. from the '90s. I lose OK Computer. I lose the Benz, but I get to explore the '80s more. Yeah. Which I feel so not 1980. So I lose like Remain in Light and some of those pivotal albums that came out in 1980. But I have most of the '80s to look up what cool like punk and new wave things mm-hmm. were going on. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe I get into the meat puppets. Right. I don't know. <laughs> You're going to have to. You're going to have to. I am. Uh, for the 2000s, as just like an an alternate pick, I'm going to go 2001-2011. You maintain those great 2011 records. I lose Channel Orange. I lose Kendrick Lamar. Celebration those some, Rock. Those are some big L's. 2012 is hard to lose. But it's a tough year to lose. <sighs> Maybe I go O two, but then I lose is this it, which I, I know, love. I know O one's a big year to, to like O one. That's a big L to take too. All right, so I'll stick with. I like all these picks. I like the ones you said. I think the sixty nine to seventy nine is one that I could have picked as yeah. well. So I guess for the sake of argument, I'll take O one to two thousand eleven. Okay. Um, okay. And I'll you know we'll see who comes out. With, okay. With I like this. You know, we'll luckily do, we never have to actually do this. You know, what we'll do we'll run a poll. We're going to do our top four picks of what we have discussed today. We'll say, if you guys had to pick, what years would you choose? And we'll see what comes out the victor. I'm just realizing, I wonder if anyone who's listening is like, this is lunacy. What the fuck are they talking about? I hope not. I hope people followed this. Because we've been talking about it like it's just understood what we mean. Right. I think people are going to get it. I hope so. I hope so. We're going to put the poll up. We'll see what people say. Tweet at us maybe some picks that we missed. Maybe Jake and I are just... Completely oblivious to yeah. great shit that was happening from, you know, 92 to 02 or, or like weird shit like that. The first 10 years of our life. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. yeah. So, Let us know what we're missing. Or like 55 to 65 might actually be the best 10 year stretch ever. Well, you know what? And your argument for jazz, if you're a jazz guy, yeah. you're like, how can you lose 59? Because <laughs> if you look at 59, it's just a fucking boon yeah. for great yeah. jazz records. You had Kind of Blue. There were some others. It's like, there's this list that I go to when I want to get into a new jazz record. Like, I would say it's something like set, like f- 10 out of the top 20 are like from 1959. Wow. Okay. It's like this amazing. Yeah, and I mean, we we talked mostly about rock music. We sprinkled a little rap into there with our recent picks. When I was like, oh, I'm going to lose those albums. Yeah. But yeah, let us know what you're thinking on that. I'd love to hear what your your best 10-year stretch is. Or what just your favorite year in music is. Favorite year in music, too. That's another good discussion. Because we have never, we didn't really pick. So yeah, looking at this really quick, just to throw it out there, the top five on this Jazz 100. Number one is Kind of Blue, which is 59. Then you have number two is A Love Supreme by John Coltrane, 64. Um, 
Three and four are from 1959. You have Mingus Aum by Charles Mingus. You have Time Out by the Dave Brubeck Quartet. And then you have Something Else by Cannonball Adderley, which is 58. Mm-hmm. So okay. in that top five, you're missing, if you cut out the 50s, all of them except for the 64. And this wouldn't be an episode of the Listening Podcast if we didn't bore people with a little jazz talk. Hey, man. Just to show how smart and cultured we are. Right. I and but it just is, I love how there's years like that. That to me it's just yeah. interesting that there's yeah. like what's in the water in nineteen fifty nine. Like right. what's there's some cultural thing that's peaking. It's like sixty seven. Like right. why was that like drugs. Drugs. Sure. There was drugs in the water. <laughs> right. We found it. Right. We drugs. got it. We cracked the code. Uh that is episode thirty nine for you. We'll be over the hill next week. Send us some send us some over the hill birthday cards. We're getting episode forty yeah. and that's when like I said this earlier to Sean. If you don't have kids yet, not really in the cards. Right. For you. It's not going to probably go Pack child. it in. Figure out what the next half of your life is going to be because it's probably not going to be having a family. Gonna you p- need to be that guy who's always traveling. Yeah. And like maybe has a younger girlfriend. I don't know. Going to be going childless. Yeah. If you're probably. 40 and don't have it, it's like at this point, you should have committed earlier. Watch there be someone who's 42. We were just breaking their heart. They've been thinking about it. They haven't wanted to admit it to themselves yet, and they're hearing it from us. They're, they're like, "Fuck, okay." Also, you know what, forty-two-year-old anonymous listener, go to Europe, go travel, go go do some fun stuff by yourself. Also, forty-two-year-old anonymous listener, if you're listening and taking advice from two twenty-four-year-olds on what you can and can't do, you're in the, you're you're too far lost to begin with, right? All right, kids are definitely not in the cards for you. Yeah, and like just so if you want to have kids, just do it already. Yeah, go to like a sperm bank, do something. Yeah, quit fucking worrying about it. Yeah, just do it. How off the rails did that get? (laughs) That got unbelievable. Yeah. All right, until next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Ready? Tighten up the screws. School of Rock, no big deal. Not a big deal. Um, do we want to save this for the episode, The Miracle, on Microphone Street? No, it's a great after show thing. Okay. Listeners, our mic, the good mic, is back. I don't know how it happened. Um, we thought it had completely broken. We thought we fried its uh, interworkings. Its mainframe. We did, and we had not. Big W for us. Big W, because we are back to recording on a higher quality mic, which hopefully you can hear. Feel reinvigorated, feel like the wind is behind us now, wind in our sails going forward. Yeah. Can't stop, won't stop. Took a few weeks in the new house. We had to figure out where we were going to do it. We had that one episode where we thought we deleted the entire episode. And everything went choppy during it. And like it was swampy up here for weeks. It's getting to be, it's September 1st, listeners. That's right. Let this be a, a capsule in time. Rabbit, rabbit. Th- rabbit, rabbit, y'all. This feels like, I don't know, it feels it feels good. It's a little cooler up in my room. It's not as, yeah. I'm not sweating through my shirt. Right, me I'm too. I'm not sweating through my sweat. <laughs> Things feel good. It's feeling a lot better. I think we turned a corner. I agree. I we turned a corner. Our, our, our blessed mic is back in action. I'm, I'm really excited about it. So am I. So am I. I'm really happy. Because, like, not only did this 
affect the sound quality of the podcast, but we invested money in this. Yeah. Not in inexpensive mic. And to have it break and not be able to use this thing that you've bought anymore is frustrating. For all you uh, other producers out podcast there. Podcast Gentiles. You, you junkies out there. You podcast junkies. The um, good thing I qualified that with podcast junkies. This isn't for the junkies. <laughs> this is for the podcast junkies. Um, we have what is kind of the zenith in USB mic technology in the... Uh, One might say that. The Blue Yeti. Yep. Um, the other we have is the Blue Snowball. But um, we did some research. This mic is a little better, a little more compressed sounding from what I understand. Better? You can just tell it's a better quality. It just sounds crisper. Ideally, we'd want two mics into a mixer. Both are just right up on our face. You know what we'll P, do? One of those P Now that parts. we know that this bad boy works. I just saw the line spike. Oh, yeah, you did. People are going to get that. Yes, they are. I did that on purpose. Right. It's going to be loud. Um, now that we have this guy back in the mix, maybe we invest in another one. Around maybe the holidays, yeah, maybe mixer. we get it. Maybe we get it. Oh, maybe we get like a Black Friday deal on one. Yep, and we should get a couple of those, like the the black little foam P guards, pop guards, P guards. Yeah. And you know what we're gonna do, Jake? Is as soon as we get that, we're gonna convert your bedroom into just a full studio. So we're gonna get this bed out of here. We don't need that. We're gonna put up a little soundproofing on the sides. We're gonna get um, like a desk in here, a couple mic stands. Yep. Uh, really just gut this whole room, turn it into a podcast studio. Sounds good. Um, I, I can see no possible foreseeable issues with this. I'll run it by Mary-Kate. should be no issue. No, I I mean, I'm saying it's not, so we're just going to do it. Okay, she'll. I'll ask her real quick. No, quick, no. She'll probably be on board. Probably, yeah. Probably be better to ask. Podcast studio. From now, from now on. Yeah. Okay. Well, until we get the new mics. You have a few, you know, could be weeks, could be months, could be days. So are you just going to... Oh, start? no, I just ordered one on Amazon Prime. Let's start the gutting process now. Well, are we doing the episode now? No. Well, you're you're going to... So we're not doing an episode no. anymore. You're going to gut my room. No, yeah. And we're going to turn it into a studio. Yeah. What about your room? Your but, room seems... Oh, mine has the hardwood floor. That, also, that's where I sleep. So Yeah, well, this is where I... J- don't shit where you eat, am I right? Sure. Ever heard that before? I have. Wouldn't that apply to me? What? And to Mary Kate, who doesn't have a say in this, evidently. Um. Yeah, Jake. This is the perfect studio. I don't know what the problem is. Do you, is oh, it? Are you not dedicated to the podcast? No, I'm very dedicated. Oh, you don't care. Oh, okay. Listeners, Jake doesn't care about providing great content or like this thing we've been doing for a while. I get it. I mean, we've been. Try- I've been excited about the podcast for a long time. We've been building up a following, and this is no shot at the listeners. I just want my room to be. Yeah, my and room. it's it's concerning to me that you don't want to take the next step and really just kind of well, go why go for broke. Why don't we find a space that we can both use that we have equal, you know, sort of say over? Not say my bedroom where all my stuff is uh, and all my girlfriend's stuff. Okay. Well, you know, maybe we take this offline and we'll we'll yes, talk about so it there. Yes, good enough. Dude. Like we've been talking about it for like fifteen minutes now. Yeah. The list. Yeah. There's no chance any listeners still listening. No, there's not. Just there's a no select chance. few. There's no chance. But big shout to you if you are. Oh, quick little tidbit. We're changing our Twitter handle. That's the thought. Yeah, we're gonna do it. I th- I've been thinking we're we gonna, should. We're for gonna a while. do it. It's confusing. We don't blog from our. <laughs> Hard thing anymore. The blog's been we dead got a little for lazy. The blog has been dead for months. Yeah, we never, we haven't written anything since late April. No, the last post we ever wrote. Do you remember what it is? Pop quiz. The last post that's on there. I don't remember. It's my Buffalo Springfield top five. Songs. Oh yes. You know what really took the wind out of our sails? I think that we didn't want to admit was 
when we posted our March Madness bracket of best oh. lead singers, and everyone and their brother had a fucking complaint about Shit it. On it. They couldn't be like, oh, this is a cool thing that my friends are doing. No, they were like, where's fucking this person? Oh, Eddie Vedder didn't win? No, Eddie Vedder didn't fucking win. Well, and also, it's like... I understand that if you post something like that, the, you're opening yourself up to criticism. But at the same time, it's like it was just for, for fun. It was for fun. It was, we were just getting it on the bracket thing. God. No one seemed to like it. Everybody, I know. Everyone seemed mad about Fuck it. Fuck us for trying anything. <laughs> because we ended up picking Mick Jagger to win it, which I felt like was nice. Well, that was nice. a great, safe pick. Because what people didn't get was that we tried to do that in a way that mirrored... Actual a March tournament. Madness, yeah. and we were like, "Who ends up winning?" We're like the scrappy, been there before, two seed. Mm -hmm. You know, the one seed had all the Villanova. Promise. Yeah, Freddie Mercury came in and had a little too much talent, not enough. Uh, a little too grit. much HIV. That's right. Wow, <laughs> Jesus. Good thing no one's listening anymore. Well, you never know, man. <laughs> all right. Uh, on that note, <laughs> I think we should jump in. Let's start the show. Uh, yeah, let, let me get my notes up. All right. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. <laughs>